Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Club podcast brought to you by HalftimeCupper.com. My name is Danny Cook and I'm really pleased to bring you another fantastic episode. Today we're featuring a fantastic guest in Lippa Nessa, um, who I'm going to introduce very, very shortly. Before we, we get into the meat of today's episode, uh, you can of course catch up on any of our previous ones on iTunes now. Uh, just search in Halftime Cuppa and it'll be one of the two podcast series that appear on your screen. Um, alternatively, you can find us on YouTube as well. Same principle applies. Just type in Halftime Cuppa and up comes the podcast. And then finally, our website as well at halftimecuppa.com. So without further ado, I would like to, with absolute pleasure, welcome Lippa Nessa. How are you, Lippa? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, so, how are you keeping at the moment with uh, with, with no football on? What, what what are you getting up to? I'm having withdrawal symptoms. Like, I, I've forgotten what my hobbies are other than football. <laughs> <laughs> like, you take football out of my life and it's like, oh, I actually do nothing but football. <laughs> It really puts life into perspective. But um, I picked up other hobbies um, like painting, um, literature. Oh, very nice. Very that's nice. about it, to be honest. Oh, fantastic. I just want football back. <laughs> oh, don't we all? Don't we all? Um, no, I, I completely share that. I think the first couple of days of lockdown, I was like, what do I? I've got this time. Like, what do I do? Like, it's it's really strange um, to, to have that kind of experience when football's your, your whole life. Um, Literally. Yeah, like really normally strange. it's like a game, one game after the other, after the other. But now it's just like, oh, we're in drought and there's nothing. <laughs> like it I'm is... in the back garden playing football thinking, oh, um, is this going to be my life for the next couple of months? But we do have to realise that, you know, it's our duty to stay home and keep safe and listen to um, the advice from healthcare professionals and the government. Love that. Love that. Got it in early. Perfect. Well done. <laughs> Uh, you've done Need to cover your my bit. Back. <laughs> <laughs> we covered it. Um, no, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, certainly something I'm sure everyone's going through at the moment anyway. But uh, how's the painting? What, what are you doing in terms of painting? Are you just doing um, like painting on paper or are you painting walls? Or, or... Oh, no, no, no. It's, uh, it's art. So painting on uh, a watercolour paper. So I do watercolour paintings, pastel drawings. Um, I used to do a lot of art before football came about in my life 24-7. So I've kind of gone back to that. Um, kind of get all of my GCSE art um, resources out. Like, oh, okay. I never knew I'd done art. <laughs> it's the old lipper returning. So that's quite nice, you know, uh, for the mental uh, wellness. But physical wellness, I still do play football outside. And, yeah, it's important d- during these times to look after yourself, I guess. Good. And family all okay? Everyone okay around They're you? They're good. Perfect. I wish, like, having siblings around, younger siblings, and being the eldest, it's not great, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> have you have you played football against them yet? Oh, the, yes. Uh, the amount of bruises we've all gotten. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw. Um, I think you, you were the one that actually retweeted it um, on Twitter, the, 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 the video about playing your younger sibling oh uh, yes 
giving them like a two nil head start and then beating them 72 nil or 72 two or something like that yeah so I've got a little sister she hates football but um she, she can't hate football in this household it's not it's not it's not on <laughs> at all so uh, she does kick the football about here and there and we do try and encourage her to play and um I let her have like one or two goals in and then I'm there like wait hold on a moment I never got this treatment. She is not getting this treatment. Bearing in mind, she is nine and I'm like 21. So I'm absolutely thrashing this kid that hates football. And I feel so satisfied with myself. <laughs> she will learn the hard way. <laughs> it is life goals, isn't it? Like a complete circle. <laughs> but I would like to comment, I'm not like this with my uh, players who are literally same bracket it's just sibling rivalry <laughs> just sibling rivalry is a unique thing that's for certain um anyway on to the the meat of today's session uh, today's session uh, see i've missed it so much I'm, I'm talking sessions now um today's podcast so uh lipper you you mentioned about your obviously your artistic skills um uh, prior to you f- sort of falling in love with the game um talk us through how you fell in love with football and how you got into coaching really where did it all begin so honestly my first memory of football was uh, when my parents gifted me this tweenies character football i'm not sure if you're familiar with the cartoon you should yep. be if you yep. if you don't know the cartoon <laughs> where were you <laughs> legend it was like literally i used to eat with like the football used to sit with me whilst I was eating I used to go to sleep with the football and I was about four or five years old and um at that time I was still um, doing gymnastics karate netball so football was just another add-on to my uh sorry at four or five years old that's incredible wow (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing carry on (laughs) (laughs) and I was like okay Another one wouldn't hurt. Another sport wouldn't hurt. So um, I just continued to do that. And uh, whilst moving schools um, and moving houses, football was a constant in my life. And it was always there for me. Um, And then when I went up to middle school, I used to play football with the boys during lunch times and break times. And all the girls used to look at me like, why is she so obsessed with this game (laughs) and (laughs) I went to high school and it it was the same thing um all after school clubs every single sport after school club you could think of I was on that team and there were teachers fighting for me to go to cricket tournaments and football tournaments at the same time and I realized um during my transition from middle school to high school that football was the one um, I always used to play football in the back garden, out and about with the local kids in my area, but I never took it seriously enough to consider me joining a proper team outside of school and outside that system. So, um, yeah, um, my dad used to always play football, so I was like, do you know what, let's give it a go, let's try and join a team. So I did join a team, and that's the reason for me joining a team was uh, my PE teacher in high school kind of forced me to go. He was like, mate, you're too good. You need to get yourself to the local girls' football club. I was like, um, I'm not that good. I play in my back garden. He, he was like gobsmacked. Like, I learned all of that by myself in my back garden. And then he was like, nah, 
you need to go I'm gonna tell your mum so he like called up my mum it's like this girl needs to go to um the local girls football um, team and they were so supportive so I joined the team and I was having a blast um and then when I went to university I kind of chose a, a very big in football university called UCFU Wembley and I think being in that environment where everyone around you loves sports, loves football, you kind of engrossed in it. Yeah. And I didn't know, I didn't know that I was going to love coaching this much. I only chose my course because of the business side and not the coaching side. And then at the end of it, um, well, uh, I'm still coaching. <laughs> so. <laughs> so it's clearly clearly worked out then. <laughs> still coaching. Literally. Um, but but the Sorry. first opportunity I got was in sec- my second year of university mm-hmm. and that's where I built up my courage to actually take coaching seriously um, within a team so that was my first time coaching for real as I say nice um, so that was interesting just on the UCFB part in particular I mean I've got so much uh, different avenues I could go down um, but I just want to sort of uh, revisit this one quickly. Um, it's interesting that you chose it based off of the sports business side of it rather than the, the sports coaching. Um, why, why, why was that compared to other uh, subjects that, say, UCFB offer or any other uni? <laughs> I wish I had, I wish I had um, a really good answer to this. So um, the way I chose my universities was by doing it d- do now I do yeah. not recommend it to <laughs> anyone <laughs> at all um so I had my local university um UCFB and the University of Loughborough yeah <laughs> anyone would think you know Loughborough's a Russell Group University you know no-brainer let's go but I was like do you know what I'm gonna play with destiny here and I'm just gonna do it d- do and let's see where it takes me and I picked out UCFB and I was like, okay, great. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, and then I picked out a random course. So I went through their little, um, the, the prospectus and I was like, whatever this is page brilliant. stops that, that's going to be my course. Oh, that could have been amazing. Could you imagine you could have gone to Loughborough and done French or something like that by accident? Um, oh, wow. Oh, I that's don't amazing. even know. Like, and it was the best mistake of my life. <laughs> that's that's interesting. I, you know what? I love that you've just said that's the best mistake of your life. Um, some people believe in destiny and some people believe that these things, like everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, just wonder if you sort of share that view, if, if you sort of by mistake ended up doing something that you absolutely love. I feel like it was always always meant to be. Like I always convinced myself it should be always for the business side. But when I was picking my course, um, after it all absorbed and I was buying all the stuff for university, I realised that doing the business side would would help me in um, through the long term. Yeah. Um, and there, there's more doors to business than there is in coaching. However. I was wrong. <laughs> I was so wrong. Um, coaching, the, 
coaching football or whatever sports you coach can be transferable in the business setting. So when I say I coach football, people instantly are like, okay, so that means you could coach people. And I'm like, um, maybe. And then they twist it around saying, no, yes, you can. You can coach people. If you could coach a two-year-old to play football, you could coach a fully grown adult on how to use Microsoft Word. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then when someone told me that, I was like, okay, let's, let's, give, um, let's give the whole thing a go. And I put all my effort into this course. Um, I went to any and every event, spoke to anyone and everyone that crossed my path. Yeah. And by chance, um, a person that I was in the UCFB women's football team with, she coached um, at a local grassroots club. And I was like, do you know what? Let's give it a go. So I plucked up the courage to say, um, can I have a contact number to whoever I need to contact to hopefully get um, some training onto a coaching position? Um, And I wasn't doing this for money, not at all. I just wanted to do it for experience. And I never knew that the experience would turn into me absolutely loving it. (laughs) Um, So I joined this club, um, Kinja Football Club, absolutely amazing it's such an amazing club like um the first day i went there um i had about three two-year-olds and i was also coaching a bunch of 11 year old girls so yeah they did not play they did not give me a light job they were like do you know what you've come to coach here you go and that was probably the toughest day of me coaching ever but that made that day made me it made me realize that I can juggle 20 things at once and I can do things that I tell myself I can't. So most of the stuff that I've told myself is all psychological. And that probably came from um, negative events when um, negative events that occurred from when I was a player. Uh, And then I didn't want that to happen to my players. So I made sure that my environment was so different and my environment was a friendly place a happy place a place where the kids could come and talk to me if they had an issue in school or at home so yeah um I say I only coached football but going back to what that person told me I was actually coaching people Mm. so yeah yeah I mean that's brilliant and you know what I um yesterday we so obviously I I still coach at Kinja um I'm uh helping harry um who is the vice chairman of the club uh doing some he also coaches the men's team uh so we were doing a webinar yesterday with our 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 players um and um yeah it was really interesting because i was saying to them you know this is it's all we want to make you not just better players but better people um and i think that that focus on creating better people is is so uh, modern and so uh, fresh um, and you know what Lipper I, I definitely re- remember seeing that in the sessions that you did um, and you definitely created a fantastic environment for the young young players of the game to learn um, so yeah full credit to you there because that, that you did some great work with that that program um, and something you may not know about my background, I used to work before I went to Kinja. I used to work for um, 
it was a, a kid's birthday place based in Wembley. Um, and they they had this, it was a terrible indoor football pitch, ter- <laughs> like terrible, as in it was probably the size of, at best, a third of the pitch, something like that. It was a third of a seven-a-side pitch. It was, it was so small. Um, and we'd have birthday parties of like 20 kids that were between the ages of two and nine and all this kind of thing. Gosh. So I'm sure you shared uh, a lot of my, my, my problems in that sense. How do you deal with the complete range of ages that turn up to those kind of sessions? So right now I'm at Zainabia FC. Um, they're based in Milton Keynes and that's my, well, it's not local. I have to get a, an hour train to get there. But, wow, um, commitment. You know, if I, I want to change. The, so the people that go to the football clubs, they're from minority backgrounds. So they're the type of people that I, I'm like sort of wanting to get involved more in football so it's a no-brainer like an hour of my weekend yeah totally I'll, I'll be there um and yeah I have right now I have a five-year-olds to ten-year-olds and the ten-year-olds are absolutely amazing like their technical ability is great however the five-year-old is absolutely good at observing his manners are on point and the 10 year old can learn that from the five year old because as you grow older, you sort of lose your mannerism. And these kids didn't have a coach for a long time. So when I came in, they were kind of doing their own thing and I was observing them for two sessions to see what the previous coach taught them. And every time I put a cone down, um, I sort of expect them to pick it up at the end of the session. If they kick the ball around, I expect them to put it back. And I was observing for two sessions and they did not do that. And that kind of set me off to think, wow, manners, where are they? Um, (laughs) However, the younger players were always bringing in the cones and always bringing in the bibs and the balls. So when I started my session, my first ever session, as their coach, um, I wanted that session to be a staple and, a, and an example for the rest of the sessions. And instantly, um, I made sure there was a proper session. There was a beginning, middle, and an end. Um, there was a brief and a debrief, which they were not used to at all. Um, and what I used to do was um, at the end of every session have a football match because that's what motivates them to come so I'm not going to take that away from them and instantly the 10 year olds were like okay I'm the captain and then another 10 year old would be like oh I'm the captain for the other team and I instantly stopped them and said no because captains need manners and good leadership skills and I instantly looked at the five-year-old and said you're captain for blue team and looked at a six-year-old and said, you're the captain for the red team. And they were shocked. It was a shock to their system. But then it was me putting them back into place and saying, actually, yes, you may be older, but it doesn't mean you're better. Mm. And it took them back. I kid you not, they didn't come (laughs) back to my session again so cocky. They came in with respect. They put all the equipment back. 
they give me a high five because I think shaking shaking hands should only be for your rivals and not for you know your your friends and people you trust so high fives um unless you've misbehaved and you want to apologize to me then that's when you give the handshake so that's the sort of environment that I've created and I make sure that the kids are okay with it and I understand every child because every child is different and they're sort of fit into a puzzle which is called a team now every puzzle piece is not the same and that goes for every single player so I make sure that whatever sessions I do I make sure that um, every child understands it and wants to participate in it and some days some players don't want to participate they just want to sit on the sideline and, and observe and that is fine by me because sometimes at the ages between five and ten it's not always your decision to come and play football sometimes it's the parents forcing them to come and play and the child's desire might be somewhere else and I had a child that his his desire was actually to be the greatest scientist in the world and I told him can you make me a football session but using um but 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 describing it through the laws of gravity (laughs) and this kid I kid you not made a whole session up he wow. is seven and he was talking about if this ball hits these two balls um they will bounce off and he, he was so his mind was in a different place but he understood football but through his own means and is that me trying to take creativity away by telling him no you can't use science um in a football match or giving him the responsibility and allowing him to explore who he is because during those ages you are still exploring who you are and where you want to be and he's still building upon those skills so if I'm restricting a child in long term their skills could be diminished you know he could lose them and I don't want him to be demotivated by sports at all that's amazing that is fantastic I mean anyone listening in that's a superb insight for working with that age group in particular that is brilliant and um you know what i really like how you how you dealt with that player how you empowered them to to take ownership of their own learning and discover their own desire to want to to be interested in the sport or be interested in in science um so yeah really interesting stuff there um i just want to take you all the way back to um kinja when when you you first sort of took on um, the development centre there when you first took on a session um, I just wanted to explore how you felt at that time did, did you feel particularly nervous at all <laughs> I was so scared every time you used to cover some of my sessions right and I used to be like okay I could hide <laughs> behind Danny that's amazing <laughs> like I could hide behind him <laughs> and then I think I think Harry was like, oh, Danny's not coming. You're the head of um, the development centre. And my heart just dropped. And I was like, do I cry? (laughs) 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 What do I do? (laughs) And um, I was like, okay, um, I'll give this a go. If I don't like it, I could always walk away. Little did I know that I would actually form relationships with these little um, kids who were my players. And I would find it really tough to leave them. (laughs) So I was so scared when I first started. I didn't know where to start how to manage my time um if I would I was more scared about the parents I don't know why but every coach I spoke to they were like oh parents 
that yeah. they're your, they're going to be your biggest problem. But I was so lucky. Those parents were basically my friends as well. Um, if their child was misbehaving, they would let me deal with it. They would not butt in unless they they wanted to take their child out of their session because they had to go home early. Other than that, they allowed me to do whatever I wanted in terms of football and their players, um, their children as players. And having that support system, not only from the parents, but from the players and then also the club and other coaches around me really allowed me to grow as not only a coach, but a leader. And since then, I've just been growing and growing. And honestly, before I couldn't do a session um, in front of five kids. But now if you push me to do a session with um, a men's team, I will do it. <laughs> like it, it's it's pushed me to believe that yes um everything that i'm scared of is all psychological and i i do have the potential to do better 100 100 and um just just on that really um we spoke to um <laughs> in the episode prior to this one which will eventually go out um we spoke with another ucfb student um i think he was in the year above above you or maybe two years above you um same year as me he was uh joe joseph pike i don't know if you know or have heard of joe um but he he also did the sports business um sports coaching course and um he he said to me or i asked him actually about the um obviously the way the course works and you having to deliver some sessions um, I wondered if, if, if you felt nervous doing any of those sessions at all. Yes. So the first ever session that I had to do in front of all my colleagues, yes, I was so scared. Um, and that goes back to me being a player and always being scared as a player to be creative and to think outside the box and to be allowed to do things that I want to do. So um, when I was given, when I was given, no, when I was told <laughs> to put on a session in front of um, all these men, because my course was um, 65 people out of the group were men, were men, excuse me. And then I think about seven of us were female. So yeah, it was very daunting. Um, and I was just, standing there like oh my gosh the world hates me what am I doing here like this is terrible what possessed me to choose this university <laughs> so <laughs> I hated myself for like two days straight yeah but then I was like do you know what I'm gonna make a mistake now and then my lecturers um, and mentors could teach me how to better myself and I kid you not the session was terrible. It was horrendous. <laughs> and honestly, I didn't expect it to be amazing, but I thought it would be a little bit better than that. And um, the thing is, no one laughed at me. Everyone gave me really good um, constructive um, feedback. And that encouraged me to think, do you know what? All of this men hating women in the sports world is only in the media because in real life right now where I am 
everyone around me is very supportive. And I thought, oh, being a BAME individual in sport, no one's going to understand me. What am I doing here to now being, I'm actually very comfortable in the position I am. I've made mistakes and I will keep on making mistakes. And that is okay. And for new coaches or any anyone listening today and thinking, oh, do you know what? I want to be a coach. Making mistakes is so normal. Um, every manager, coach, player makes mistakes, but that makes them at the end of the day. And your first session may not be great, just like my one, but I promise you, by your 10th session, it will be much better than your first. Yep. Yeah, wise words there. I mean, I think everyone has had had multiple versions of, of those kind of sessions. Um, and yeah, I mean, looking back, I'm pretty sure my first session was, wow, unspeakable <laughs> compared to some of the ones I put on today. Um, but even now, I still put on ropey sessions. And I think, um, and I, I'm sure you probably buy into this quality as well because I, I know it's something that I, I believe you have as a quality but um, I think it's one that many good coaches need is that um, humbleness to sort of and the humility to sort of say well you know what it was a bad session but uh, next time I'm going to do this I'm going to do this and uh, make sure that it's a better session for my players um, I don't know if, if humility is a quality that you rate really, really highly within yourself. Well, I guess it is part of me and especially part of my religion. Um, so I'm Muslim and uh, it would be not Muslim of me if I didn't um, humble myself and have good manners. And honestly, not to be big headed and. I just, I don't know. I've never, I wasn't brought up like that. I always saw every opportunity that I've done as an improvement. So even if I absolutely smashed a conference call, I know that there are still bits in there that I need to improve on. Even when I'm going to listen back to this podcast, I'm going to absolutely cringe at every 10 <laughs> seconds of me speaking. But that's okay because I know next time I will phrase myself better and compose myself with every question um, oh, it's only so natural. It goes with, only natural. yeah it goes with everything I do I guess yeah it's only natural I mean even when I listen back to myself I'm like oh my god I sound like that <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> um, so yeah I, I think everyone does it um, you're so <laughs> yeah that that those first couple s sessions that you had to put on for obviously Kinja and obviously UCFB um, must have been very, very nerve wracking. How, how did you deal with those nerves? Was it, as you say, that, that kind of acceptance of, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to make mistakes or was there any other techniques that you used to sort of combat nerves when it comes to coaching? Um, so my first, well, not my first session, my second session when I'm like, okay, this needs to be better than my first one. I was more scared um, because I felt like I had to um, prove myself, um, prove myself that I've improved in X amount of months. And I was shaking and I was scared and I was overthinking and breathing very fast. And I was like, why am I doing this? All... It, this this doesn't 
it's it's nothing compared to what half of the world is going through right now and i'm here like absolutely <laughs> bricking it over a coaching session do you know how funny that sounds and then I, I told myself do you know what get this over and done with get your feedback and i promise you sooner you'll be strong enough to make mistakes but be confident at making them so I've now gone from making mistakes and accepting them, accepting them to making mistakes whilst being confident with them. And yeah, my second session was way, way, way better than my first one. But as I said, there were mistakes made and I was very scared at the time that, oh, how do I compose myself for the next one? And by the end of it, when you keep on making, keep on doing sessions in front of the same people, you lose the fear factor mm. and then after a couple of months I joined Kinja and then the fear factor came creeping back and I was like <laughs> oh my gosh now I have kids kids if you don't know very honest very <laughs> honest and brutal it's so true it's so true <laughs> <laughs> if they don't like your session they'll be like um coach that was boring and you're just there like oh I hate myself. <laughs> but, Poor Timmy, who's like five years old, telling you <laughs> that was boring. <laughs> but little did he know I was crying 10 minutes before coming to the session because I didn't want to come. But honestly, it's okay to have all of those feelings. It's okay to be nervous and um, to be scared. But it's um, also very important to know who you are and how to control it um and the way i used to control it is by looking at others and then seeing what they're doing and sort of observe how they're disciplining their people and how, where their equipment is how they're approaching each session and then transfer transfer it over to mine and then sooner or later um you'll get confident with yourself which means you'll be more confident with your coaching philosophy, which means you'll be more confident in life and as a leader. Um, but yeah, it's okay not to be okay. Um, especially if you're, if you're there going in for an assessment to do with coaching, you yeah. will be scared. And that is so fine. Like you, it's cool. Yeah. If you're scared, it's cool. It's okay. You'll get over it. And when it's over, you'll be so happy and you'll look back at it thinking, why was I scared again? <laughs> <laughs> but but it's standard though. Like it's um, I mean even when I did my my level two course, I, I mean we're obviously aware. You know, you get caught up and you get nervous over silly little things. But like it even though you're aware of it, it won't stop it. It'll still happen. It's just how you interpret it, I guess, is the is the 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 big one for me. I think you just got to interpret it as a as a challenge as a an exciting opportunity um that's that's my takeaway point i think on that um, i don't know if you agree with that yeah i do definitely cool uh so just wanted to again revisit a point that i think you mentioned a little bit earlier the you mentioned about how your your playing affected your your coaching um, I was wondering if you could sort of delve a little bit deeper into that. What what happened in terms of your playing when you was playing in teams, the coaches that you had, what, what effect did that have on you now as a coach yourself? So I'm just going to take it back a little bit. So when I was 
playing football for my school team, I was so confident, creative, and I was a rebel on the pitch, meaning I will try <laughs> any trick um, in the books to get what past player, that defender. What player would you most like if you had to pick a player? I don't Some know. Job. I sort of. Or high player. I don't know. I think there would be a lot of players mushed together. I was really <laughs> fast, but I was the smallest on the pitch. I was really technical, but I was very strong, like physically very strong. If there, if you were six foot and you were right next to me, just just know I will still get the ball to my head and just know that you'll probably end up on the floor because. I've tried to get the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was very confident uh, within my own skin. Um, and I taught myself football. Um, so no one taught me football at all. I taught myself everything in the books before I went to a football team. I learned um, the offside rule and all of that good stuff, you know. Uh, and then uh, I went to this football team uh, and I got in. I was on, I was in the under 18s team. And I was always starting. So that's a good sign, right? And then slowly sure with every training session, I felt like I was losing a bit of me, uh, who I was. Uh, and then I um, got a ring from the head coach of the women's team. And they're like, hey, Lippa, we want you to be on the women's team. And at the time, that was my, it was, it was a dream in paid to play football not gonna lie to you it's probably half of this nation's dream right so oh, I was thinking <laughs> yes like I, I've made it like come on like I'm gonna play for like Liverpool one day like I, I, I was I was really excited really happy and uh, then I went for a really big change in my life so as a Muslim woman um you wear a headscarf when you're ready and you observe modesty. And prior to that, I didn't wear a headscarf, um, nothing of that sort. And then after one summer, I come back to a new season, uh, from a new, um, excuse me, to a new season. And uh, everyone was sort of shocked, which is normal. Like, Liv has gone through a massive change. It's like dyeing your hair blue or something, which is completely fine as well. But, um, I was, you know, an outcast. That's what I felt like. And all of a sudden, my friends were a bit different with me, which I thought was normal. Mm. And the first game I ever played for the women's team, I got a, verbally abused and all of that bad stuff that shouldn't happen to a 16-year-old, 15-year-old going on to 16. She should be only worried about her GCSEs, right? I'm really sorry to hear that. That's all for that. Sorry, Lippa. Carry on. And um, I was like, okay, um, these guys are strangers. Um, the parents are strangers. It shouldn't. It, it won't happen again. Um, this is who I am. And all of a sudden, I was like, questioning, do I want to wear my headscarf anymore? And I was like, of course you do. This is a part of you. And I went to training one day, and we were doing a drill. Um, on headers um, so controlling a cross coming in or a corner coming in and all you could do to score is use your head wearing a headscarf I done a header 
and my headscarf slipped back just a little bit. And the coach for the goalkeeper, um, he was like, he turned to me, he's like, that is why, that's why you shouldn't wear that stupid thing on your head. So it went from complete strangers shouting abuse to me to someone that I was really close to and trusted. And honestly, at that time, I felt so, so little. Um, I couldn't talk to anyone of the players because they wouldn't understand. Um, and so I went home and I played football in the back garden. And every time, so my mum used to drop me off at the training ground and I used to hate going to training. I was like, mom, can you just wait? Let, let, let them start the session and then I'd go because I didn't want to speak to anyone. And then one day, I, I hated going so much that I hated football and I thought that would never, ever happen to me because a football ground is my happy place and all of a sudden it's become a scary place. So I sat down and I thought about all the good things that's happened to me and all the bad things. And all the bad things that were associated with me at the time, apart from GCSE stress. <laughs> <laughs> Which is <was> natural. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're um, supposed to be doing GCSEs in 2020, you've got no stress. Um, <laughs> lucky people. I was literally, they're so lucky, right? Yeah. But um, I, was, I was putting everything on the table and thinking, I'm on a contract. I'm going to go and ask during this transfer window if I could be transferred to a different football club. And I took this massive leap. I was like, I went to the owner and said, I want to change. I want to go to a different football club. And they're like, well, what happened? You know, what's going on? Obviously, I wasn't going to tell them. Um, because I wasn't confident and I was pretty scared and at that time my mum didn't even know what I was going through so I was just fighting this battle alone and I was like do you know what I want a dual contract I want to go to a different team Uh, and they're like okay that that can happen you can't have a full-on transfer but you can have a dual contract so I went to another um, team in the area and they were on on the level of playing and league level they were they weren't semi-professional but the first session I went to, I felt like I was home, um, that I was wanted. Everyone was laughing. Everyone was happy. And I was a new girl, but it's like I was there since the club began. And then I slowly started to find myself. I slowly started to become the old me, but better. Uh, and I never returned to the other team. Uh, and I don't think I ever will, and unless I'm invited to go and speak to them about my uh, <laughs> by experiences. My, uh, experiences. <laughs> but um, I believe that every person changes, and yeah, education is key for every coach. And I think this new, the new coach that we're seeing today, is very educated uh, within the BAME community. Um, they are very educated um, in the needs of players, and after that. I saw this, my coach for my second team, he was a third year university student. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is so down to earth and I'm loving football. And we were winning every single game. And I just, I I was just like, oh my gosh. And he was like to me, we've never played 
this good before and that's because there were so many people from the other team coming into this this uh, second team that I'm in now yeah and it just goes to show that yes money can money's there the the levels there but doesn't mean happiness is there and I saw what he was doing and I think right now I'm trying to become him <laughs> as a coach um trying to be that fun coach bring that aspect of um home back into people's lives because I know some people don't have um a home if you if you're trying to get what I'm saying when they go yeah. home they don't really have a home so if a football ground could be their home that is quite nice but yeah when I started to speak about my experiences I realized that there were different people around the UK that were going through similar stuff <laughs> um so at the time I thought I was alone but now I definitely 100% know I wasn't alone. Um, but one thing I do want is to make sure I was the last case of whatever happened. And I wish I knew about the likes of Kick It Out mm. at the time. I do a lot of work with them. And I didn't know they existed. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe educating children as well to know that, yes, you might be a great player, but actually because unfortunately you are um black you are muslim you are a jew you have a disability um you might be a target um you may face that but do not hide it um if it happens to you report it come and talk to us and i think maybe that's what i needed um so that's why i make sure that my players are never alone because I guess once upon a time I was, um, which is quite sad. But thinking about it, it's made the uh, made me the person I am today. I'm very confident, and I kid you not. If that happened to me today, you will get a couple of ABCs <laughs> back at you. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, listen, Lippa, I'm really, really sorry to hear um, what happened. That's that's awful. Um, and you know, if if anyone is listening and and going for a similar situation or know someone who's going for a similar situation uh what's what's the avenue now what what can they do report it so i'll have this whole page explaining if you see something in a professional game grassroots game anything like that you can report it you can report it to um stewards um if they're out and about or if you are like me as a player facing discrimination you can still use the same avenues. However, make sure you don't compromise your happiness. Don't continue to play the game if you're not happy because you could hurt yourself, do more damage by continuing than stopping. And we see it in the, in the modern game today where unfortunately racism is still out there. Um, you see that there's a new protocol now it's like I haven't watched football in ages. <laughs> it, feel, it, it feels <laughs> so long ago, doesn't it? It feels like ages ago. Uh, I think that, was it England? Didn't England yeah. suffer it? I mean, was that this year? Or was that last year? I, you know what, I've same thing. It but feels like happened ages. like a couple of years ago, I think. <laughs> I'm joking. A <laughs> couple of months ago where professional teams, they will go through strike one, strike two, and the third strike, everyone walks off. And I'm so happy that that's in place. However, there still needs to be so much more done. Um, and I'm not talking about by big organisations. I'm talking about as us, as individuals. If we see it, 
yes, we, I'm, I'm not black, but I'm human. So why am I going to let someone else call someone else something else that I don't like right in my presence? I don't think that should happen. And it's a great time to be in right now because we have this quarantine, as I say, as a big pause. So when we do go back to football, do I want it to be how we left it? Yes, because I want Liverpool to win the league. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why are you for that? I knew you was a Liverpool fan. <laughs> no, no, because... No, no I'm... <laughs> Keep Norwich up. We won't complain. Uh, uh, and no, because... I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> Carry on. And, and no, because um, all the... The, 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 the manners where, where, where have the manners gone we all talk about manners for players but where have, have the manners gone for fans fans do not observe manners and that is disgusting um, and I want to be able to take my little sister to a men's game which I haven't because I'm frankly quite scared for her <laughs> I'm scared for what she will see and what she will hear and that shouldn't be the case. It should be a case of she wants to go to a football match. I will take her. And she may or may not like it. But at least she's had that experience of being in a good and friendly environment, ex- um, which is accepting to all. And, um, yeah, I think this time is really a type of re- reflection and reflecting upon our actions as individuals and as clubs and fans of clubs. So, yeah, hopefully this will stop the belittling of the women's game as people say the women's game has been hasn't been around for a very long time however it's been around mid 1800s so actually ages. pretty it's, much it's been similar ages to, yeah <laughs> pretty much similar to the men's game uh and when when men went out to war uh, world war one world war two who provided the entertainment for football Yep, you guessed it, the women. We started <laughs> playing football. Yeah, so it's not new. It's very old. Um, and we just need to get over it, build that bridge mm-hmm. that we've been taking decades to uh, build and just get over it. Like, seriously, everyone should be able to play football. Yeah, <sighs> no, that's so true. <laughs> and the um, it's interesting because um, I... So as part of one of my modules for uni we had to choose um, an area to, to look at. And I looked at uh, women's football um, and particularly the, the issues in terms of media and all that kind of thing. And looking back, was it the, I think it was the Dicker ladies. I think that's, that's them. I mean, yeah, yeah. they yeah. attracted so many um, spectators to games and so much attention um, that it's, it's quite shocking that it's gone under the radar really. Uh, to a general sports fan that they attract this this many people when you know at the same time or a couple years earlier or a couple years later the men's game couldn't attract near that really uh which is so strange it's because they banned the game didn't they yeah yeah that's the issue they're like do you know what the women are taking over we need to do something as men (laughs) so that's their little backlash they're like their little plan they're yep. like, suffragettes have hit us. We can't let them have it all. It's <laughs> just stop, stop them from playing football. And like how many set, uh, de- decades on and we're still at the same point of 
maybe they can have a shot, but they would never be good at us, um, good at football than us. However, yeah. the women's game is completely different to the men's game. It's like comparing different types of pasta together. Like they have a different purpose, man. Don't yeah. compare them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a fair comment, and uh, let's hope that this this decade, anyway, is the decade where we can actually see a bit more uh, equality in terms of payments and in terms of representation as well. Um, it'd be nice to see that. But uh, anyway, um, we've 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 gone on a massive tangent there, which is awesome, and this is why <laughs> I like doing this podcast because um, we can go down tangents. Um, I want to go back to your so your your final days at Kinja, just talk us through what you achieved or what you felt you achieved as maybe as a coach or the experiences you you had there um, before moving on to your next role. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> so the last couple of months of me being at Kinja, when I actually took a took a deep breath in and realised how much I achieved in such a short amount of time really made me realize that yes you could be an amazing coach but having a, an amazing foundation and support with you really does help you not as a coach but as a person and it really did build upon my leadership um i'm a better leader now um i'm very confident um within my own skin which if you told me when i was 16 if i that i'd be in this position i am today I would have probably just looked at you. I just walked off. I wouldn't even give you that attention. Like, But now I'm thinking back to Kinja and how I was in the last couple of days. I was so confident. Um, and so confident in my philosophy and who I was as a person. However, I knew that what I had at Kinja could not be replicated in a different club, even though I would love for it to be. I know that everything that I learned at Kinja will sort of somewhat have to only stay at Kinja and every club has a different puzzle, as I said, um, so different pieces and I'll be introduced to new pieces of this massive puzzle of a team and I will just have to, you know, take every day as it goes and sort of build upon my areas of weakness Um that I shouldn't call weakness, I should call areas of improvement. Um, That's the one. (laughs) So, yeah, I was very confident and I was, first time in a long time, I was very proud of what I achieved and very um, humbled by the opportunities that were given to me. So, um, moving on to your next role then, talk us through that transition. How did you get your next role? Um, So, my next role, they kind of were eyeing me out since I was coaching for Kinja, um, which I didn't know about. Um, <laughs> and they're like, OK, we need this girl to come and play, um, come and coach our team. And I was like, do you know what? I'll give it a go. Um, so I went there and <laughs> my first session, there were two kids, two kids. There was one boy, I mean, one boy two boys there two boys there and there was about there was an eight-year-old and that five-year-old that I told you about he was there so he's been there since (laughs) my first day and um it was I I was quite upset to see that 
what the city had rural areas don't really have and yes Milton Keynes is not rural but it's more rural than uh, London uh, so yeah and it was a it was um, a football club linked to a local mosque uh, so yeah I was very new to the whole area I have no idea what's going on and I am the only lady on that pitch on that and I'm the only coach who is female in this club and of all the chair throughout like the chairman um the backroom staff I am o- the only female and I was thinking oh my gosh what hole have I just dug <laughs> <laughs> I was so scared like when I told you I was scared in UCFB and I was scared at Kinja, no, 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 no. They were probably like little nightmares. <laughs> this, this challenge, I was so scared. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so different because they're not FA affiliated. They're a private football club. So um, they're not with the FA groups. Um so I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, no, what am I doing? Um, and then came back home that day and gave Harry a massive paragraph saying, I miss King Judge. <laughs> 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 and he's like, we miss you too. And I was like, is that it? Come on. You know he would have done in a heartbeat <laughs> yeah. anyway. That, that goes without saying. <laughs> and I was like in my room thinking, oh gosh, I'm back at square one. And that was so scary to me, being back at square one and starting all over again. Um, and I thought to myself, okay, they're the exact, the type of people that I want um, to participate like to work with because um asian individuals are that their children and young people are 35 percent less active according to sport england um so i wanted to decrease that percentage so uh yeah i went in there the, the third session kids still hated me but that was okay they will get used to me soon um and i was having all this I was having this man um, that was a coach at the club um, was being the key word um, at the club telling me what to do as if I didn't know what to do. So I think he, he thought me being a woman, I didn't know what how football worked at all. And he didn't know who I was and yeah. what type of um, experiences I have. So I just acted dumb and played along. Um, acted dumb to the point that I was like, so where do I put the cones? Which type of cones? Doesn't matter what size. Are they all the same size? <laughs> like, if you're going to play me as a, as a clown, I will play you as a clown. Like, I'm very comfortable in where I am right now. And I know when someone's being very rude to me. And I won't take that. Like, 16-year-old me probably would be scared. But right now, I wouldn't take that. And the chairman was there. So bearing in mind, the, chair, the chairman of the club, the owner of the club, and the financial director of the club were on the other side of the gate. Um, I took a stance and said to him, 
excuse me there, I, I have experience. How about I take this session and you watch, giving you a break. So I wasn't trying to make an argument or something quite tense. Yeah. But just to display my skill, my skill set and what I can do, not as a Muslim woman, not as a woman, but as a person that absolutely loves football. Um, and that's what I've done. The kids loved it. They're like, coach, are you going to coach again? <laughs> and honestly, I didn't want them to say that. Not that soon. Because <laughs> as I mentioned, those three people, the financial director, the, the, the owner, the chairman were just there. And I was thinking, oh no, I've cost this man his job, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> but bearing in mind brilliant. this man's day job is working in the financial district and he didn't really love football so there there you go like if you want to work somewhere make sure you're passionate about it and he was a passionate and you could tell and yeah since then I have grown um as a person and I'm very comfortable as I said I'm very comfortable if I wasn't that comfortable I wouldn't take on about 10 men um on at once i wouldn't say do you know what you need do you need to change this do you need to have um an open door yes this club is only for those muslims that attend this mosque but i want it to be open to everyone in this area and they agreed now the biggest challenge for me was to have these some of these people um who didn't really understand that women can play football um, to understand, like, they really don't understand that women can actually kick a football and they can go for, out for runs and ride a bike. I think it was so foreign to them. Um, but, yeah, I was like, um, I need to have girls come into this club. Um, and if you want me here, you will allow me to do that. And you will allow me, you will, I didn't give them the option. Um, so you will allow me to open the doors up to girls. And I was literally breaking their norms and their values. They hated every second of it. Um, not all of them. I'm just talking about the old. Um, yeah, the old guard. People, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and they were like, okay, we'll only allowed you, allow you to recruit girls that are under the age of nine. And I was like, great, cool, thanks. <laughs> and I have no idea how I'm going to reach these goals because I'm not part of this community of theirs. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what have I done? And, um, yeah, so um, I spoke to people and they brought their kids along. Um, and I had one girl come out, um, come to my session. I was like, do you know what? One is better than none. And I was so happy to see this girl. And she was like, coach, you look like me, coach, we're going to play football, coach, can you teach me how to do that, coach, that was so cool, and I didn't realise the impact I was having on this one girl that first started, until her friends started to join, and their friends started to join, and then um, during International Women's Week, I had a photographer come in, and um, I was doing a piece for her website, and the, the kids were like, oh my gosh, you're on camera, and they're like, yeah, us women that play sports can be on camera, you know, and they were just <laughs> baffled to think that there's more to sports than just playing. And yeah, I went from two kids, two boys, to having 
15 boys to having now enough kids mixed in with (laughs) girls I I have I now have a regular of nine girls coming which is that's amazing that's amazing Um, hopefully this coronavirus hasn't like killed it off I'm just hoping that um, I don't need to start again but if I do need to start again it's okay and we will continue to fight the forces um, in a friendly manner and in a peaceful manner <laughs> that's good again you summed it up nicely there um i'm sure you know what i'm sure at the end of this uh when when everything starts going back to normal i'm sure you'll see those nine again uh you know what it wouldn't surprise me if they bring a couple of mates along as well um that's that's amazing um how you've you've gone in there you've changed essentially a club uh, you've had to fight so many bat- battles behind the scenes um and and now you're obviously growing as a coach but growing as a person and growing their their program there um that's fantastic to see it certainly as someone who's who's seen a, a small nugget in terms of your coaching journey firsthand um that's amazing i'm i'm so pleased for you lipper that's that's brilliant um thank you not a problem and am i right in thinking that brings us up to date in terms of your journey so far then is that where you are right now and 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 we've we've got all the all the boxes ticked to such yes you have you have indeed perfect so i've got a few questions down um i hope you don't mind go uh, on let's hear them <laughs> i so one one i want to kick kick off with um uh, before we before we get into sort of the more coaching ones is your work with uh kick it out and um and various other organizations um just just for those listening in who maybe are unaware of the work you do, do you mind just sharing a bit of that quickly? Um, yeah, so I'm essentially a sports activist. I work with organisations and part of youth boards and um, a sort of a voice from a BAME youth perspective. So I'm part of the Youth Sports Trust Youth Board and I am also newly appointed ambassador for them. I'm also sort of thank you (laughs) I'm also sort of a kick it out like ambassador now like I've just kind of slipped into that role and that's because um my podcast I'm co-founder of a podcast called I think she's offside where we talk about all things women's sports you know I need to plug that in no that's Um, fine we're (laughs) going to plug that again at the end so no problem if you want to chuck in a twitter handle now you can chuck in a twitter (laughs) handle that's fine actually she is offside might as well right uh, so of course <laughs> we were we so myself and my co-host we bumped into each other at a kick out event and we had the similarities of um our playing history was quite similar like she had to fight to play football because she was wearing a headscarf and i also had to fight because i was wearing a headscarf so we're like do you know what we've had enough we've had enough of people telling us what to do let's make a platform and that platform was created because of Kick It Out. Um, and since then, we've kind of worked with Kick It Out on various things. I've been on their panels and I've spoken um, at their events. And what they're doing is so, so un- unbelievably good. And I wish I knew about them when I was 16, as I <laughs> mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, it's just 
it's just crazy. And right now, um, I'm doing work with patchwork. So patchwork okay. allows for um, individuals to get a perspective into policy and politics. So we go into the Houses of Parliament and talk to MPs, um, sports ministers, you know, and kind of like pick their brain to see what they're doing. And that's ultimately because I know I won't be a coach forever. And that that means a football coach, not a people's coach. Um, and that's because I do want to change the world. Um, and I always say I'm going to change the world with a hijab on my head and a ball at my feet. And that will happen. But I know that will happen with time. Uh, and I need to right now just build up on my knowledge and patchwork is allowing me to do that right now and yeah, hopefully I, in, a, in a couple of years time you'll probably see me making the decisions about sports and policy or working with people that make the decisions for sports and policy yeah I have no doubt about that whatsoever <laughs> I really do um, I think that's a, a superb ambition to have there um, okay fantastic and for those who haven't heard of kick it out it's Again, just to emphasise what, what Lippa said, really great organisation. They put on some fantastic events um, and certainly the Raise Your Game uh, conferences. I don't know if they're, they're doing multiple conferences because of the, the coronavirus. I think I think I saw somewhere they're doing it by, by sections. I could be wrong. Um, yes, they are. Um, they're going to have different um, video calls for different subjects. So media is going to have one, careers is going to have one. But I'm not sure when this is going to go out because you have to register quite quickly and the spaces are going. So if you don't get in this time, there will be more opportunities in the future. So they do have a female only conference um, event. So you do feel very confident um, in expressing yourself and talking to people as a sporting world, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, can be daunting when you're literally a minority and or the only female in the room. So having that um Raise Your Game Women's Conference does allow for other women within the industry to get together and build the rapport. And that is good. Um, that is really important. Um, networking in the sports industry is a no brainer. You have to do it. Yep, 100%. And Troy Townsend does some fantastic stuff there. So a big shout out to him as well. Um, okay, on to a couple more questions, if that's all right. Um, what in your eyes, makes a good coach? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> it's oh, a tough oh. question. It's a tough question. <laughs> One that could take you away from reality, but still in, um, install it within you. So what I mean by that is when you step on the football pitch to take away all your worldly worries, but at the same time, not forgetting your manners and your your who you are and where you've come from. Um, as I mentioned, I was told to take my headscarf off, but I didn't. So realizing your identity and keeping it firm um, while still being in this fantasy world or playing football and absolutely loving the game. Um, and as a coach, I don't know, being the best version of you um, and being a good leader. Good, good. I like that. Yeah, very nice. Um, you mentioned right at the beginning that you you sort of taught yourself football by playing in the garden or or going to have a kick around. Um, 
How important is that to some of the young players today? Certainly in, in terms of lockdown, how important is it for them to just go out and, and kick a ball? So very important. It is so important, um, especially in this day and age. I'm not even talking about lockdown right now. I'm talking about even when we're not in lockdown. We expect kids to have all these high um, intensity equipment. They should be running on the treadmill. They should be. Uh, they need that samba goal in their back garden in order to shoot a goal. No, you don't. I learned how to play football with um, the wall of my house and kicking it back and forth pretending that that's a player like I was the eldest and at the time the only child so kicking the ball to the wall and using different techniques turning around and that's pretty simple and you're doing it by yourself and repeating actions which in this day and age people don't like to do they don't like repeating themselves they just want results instantly Mm. and um when I was younger, all I had at the time was a wall um, and a football. Um, and when we needed goals, and I think you might have done that as um, this as well when you were younger, in school, um, we didn't have goals put in place during lunch times. We had to use our backpacks, our school jumpers to make the goals. It's pretty simple. Um, you don't need a lot of um, things to uh, play football. And if you don't have a garden, um, like how I do, you could, if you can um, afford it, get a foam football. And if you can't afford a foam football, carry your bags, wrap it around, sell it, tape it up, get the kids <laughs> creative. Um, and that is a football in most countries because um, if you go to third world countries, they can't afford footballs. So what they do, they get banana leaves and wrap it around and make a football. Or in some parts of uh, South Asia, they get um, plastic carrier bags and they wrap it around and sort of um, interlink them together to make a football. And that will work fine. And I think we're so privileged in this country that we forget the basics. And during quarantine, we are literally put on our, our hands and knees to think of ideas to keep kids active. And I'm not only talking about kids, I'm also talking about adults that want to also play football. Or give it a go. Um, now is a chance for you to kick a football if you've never done it before because no one's watching you. No one's going to laugh if you miss that shot. No one's going to laugh if you don't kick the ball right because you will learn. And there's enough videos online. Um, and I'm sure um, your friends and family could help you if someone in your family plays football. Yep. Good stuff. And uh, it does chuck me back to the good old days when the jumpers for goalposts. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, good old days, though, those were. Um, what's, uh, what would you say has been sort of your your greatest strength as a coach? If you had to choose one one area in terms of your coaching that you think you're really strong at, uh, one quality that you have, um, what would it be and why? Oh. Um, Understanding. um, So being able to understand, um, whether it means a player, a parent, their background, because understanding something um and building your knowledge upon that will definitely like help you in different aspects so what I mean by this is understanding a player if they're creative 
why not challenge them on the pitch by the technical ability if they can't do that why don't you challenge them by you know customizing their boots or their water bottle like what's stopping you from understanding them and seeing them for a for a person that's you know not every player that comes on your pitch is the same player outside of it so who are they that's it just understanding mm. who they are good good and um who who would you say is your coaching inspiration or it, it may not be one person in particular but what's your sources of inspiration when it comes to coaching um I don't have people that I aspire to. Like, I know people say they should, but I like different traits uh, of people. So when I was younger, as I said, I didn't, as a South Asian Muslim woman, there was no representation uh, of us in sports at the time. So I didn't have a role model that looked like me, that spoke like me. Um, so I went to look for something else, it may be from one person or from two people. And Paula Radcliffe was the female side of me with the grit and determination she always posed when she was running those marathons. And Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, with his discipline and manners, and I really put them together as a child. And I think I've sort of carried it on today. And I don't know why I was analysing people that young, but we'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a great trait to have great trait to have um anyone who's listening in who is a uh, female coach or is looking to get into coaching and is a female um have you got any advice for them about those first steps or or um yeah yeah taking those first steps into coaching so if if you're in the city you have so much support and um, the support out there everywhere you turn however when you're in a small town like mine there's literally no one um oh, 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 that's what you think there's like literally no one around you however if you don't have those connections when you're in year nine year year 10 but you want to be a coach in the future talk to your PE teachers and they will help you in the way they can and I know right now they can't um, however if you speak to them I know for a fact that they know someone from the FA um, or your local FA that can help you attain those coaching um, qualifications get you um, a spot with a local club where you can coach every weekend um, and don't think it's too far away like don't think coaching is such a hard thing to do when it's like miles away because when you live in a village or a small town, it feels like everyone is distant from you. However, there's so many people that are exactly like you and you could be the next person to help your local community. You could be the break that your community needs um, and take every day as it goes as a coach. And it's okay to make mistakes because without trial and error, we wouldn't have Sir Alex Ferguson, right? And he of was course. a good coach. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just 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 good. He was all right, I guess. No, it's because I'm a Liverpool fan, so I can't. Really yeah, I know you. You can't. Amazing. You can't go overboard with that. Yeah. I, I, I know I'm already getting hate for saying his name, but. <laughs> right, look, you've got to appreciate a good man's work, and you know, a good exactly. coach. You've got to appreciate. 
Um, so yeah, fair enough. Um, what what are you currently doing during lockdown to sort of help your coaching? Are you doing anything uh, in terms of like session planning, or are you doing any online courses? Um, right now, I'm just talking to other coaches and seeing if I could like look at their philosophy and how is their philosophy different to mine and sharing um, ideas with each other. And um, I think that's so important. And I know I don't want coaching to be my bread and butter, but I know coaching is my happiness. So making sure my happiness is um, filled with good information, with new sessions for after quarantine, because I know for a fact that the children that I left before quarantine, they will come back completely different after quarantine. And I shouldn't expect the same. Um, I shouldn't expect them to be the same. Um, so basically trying to change my mindset on what sessions to do, how I should, how I can help them, because psychologically they are probably very hurt right now. Um, as I know, some of my players have lost people in their lives. So how can I help them? And yeah, that's it. How can I help them and how can others help me to get to where I want to be? So even if there's someone listening um, in today um, thinking, oh, I want to coach um, nine-year-olds, but I don't know what sessions to put on for them, DM me on Twitter and I can um, hand you over some sessions that I've done and you can make it your own. Amazing, amazing. Do you want to just plug your Twitter now? You're also going to get a chance to plug it at the end as well. But <laughs> if, I, if anyone stops, uh, stops listening beyond this point, <laughs> uh, at least know your handle. Um, it's Lipa, L-I-P-A underscore Nessa. So Nessa is spelled N-E-S-S-A. It's basically my first name and my second name with an underscore because I couldn't have my normal name. Twitter. It's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> it is annoying when you get someone on Twitter who's got the same name as you. That's so annoying. The thing uh, is, no one's got my name, so I don't even know why I can't have it. <laughs> you just fancied that uh, underscore, oh. you know. But um, fair enough. In terms of the... The quarantine, the lockdown, um, what's been the biggest challenge for you? Oh, staying at home and keeping sane without football. Because <laughs> <laughs> normally if I'm in a, uh, a situation where I don't know what to do with my life, I normally like to watch football or stay, keep forward. I, I mean look forward to um, watching football on the weekend or midweek but that's not there anymore so what do I do um, so as I said for my mental health I try and put my needs first um, I homeschool my little sister so that keeps me very busy I paint I do a lot of literature and I do play in the garden so my sister has pee lessons I'm not only her maths English science Wow, ICT, what a, what a new job teachers. you've got. <laughs> I know. I'm also a PE teacher. And I kid you not, when I was little, I've always wanted to be a teacher. I can guarantee that is not the case right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you could definitely add that to the CV. Um, that's awesome. Uh, cool. Um, on to the final three questions. Thank you very much, Lippa. I appreciate you giving up a lot of your time here. Um what? It's not like I'm busy doing anything else. Well, on now. <laughs> still, still, I mean, you could be teaching. I know it's a Saturday, but you could still be teaching. Um, 
what would you say has probably been the greatest highlight of your coaching journey so far? What would you oh look gosh. back on and be so proud at? Um, oh my gosh. Um, wow. Uh, I'm going to have to say, uh, I'm literally walking to my cabinet where all my trophies are to see like which one I want to put first. And it's going to be the Joel, it's going to be the Joel Richards Inspire Award. Um, and I got it at the FA Leadership Academy um, in 2019. Joel was a coach. Um, unfortunately, his life was cut short during the terrorist attacks in Tunisia. And um, yeah, those people use my religion um, to portray their evil. Uh, and then last year, I was surprised by this award. Um, and it's such an honour for me to get this award. I, I just can't believe I, I, they, they thought of me. So his parents um, and his sister chose me. And to think that people who portrayed Muslims in a bad light took their son's life. However, there are good out there and they were very open to that. And they decided to give me the award. Um, and that's because I used to do stuff for Middlesex FA, the SEN, uh, and I've done stuff for Kinja. And they were like, do you know what? This kid's going places. So they gave me an award and I was like, wow. And I was not expecting that award at all. Um, I didn't even know who Joel was. And after I got the award, I, I truly understood its value. Um, so, so yeah. amazing. So amazing. That is a fantastic award to have. Um, and 100% deserved as well as you, you've mentioned all the stuff you've done in in the sort of lead up to that award anyway but just the stuff you're doing now post that award again 100% deserved um, thank you that's okay uh, what what is what is success for you as a coach I uh, knew this was going to come up I didn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't go anything for this one oh <laughs> It's, you know what? It is hard. Again, it's one of those that I think a lot of coaches, um, it, it's very subjective. Everyone has their own opinion on what is success. And I think that's why I like asking it to find out um, why everyone has different different beliefs. Um, success means, it's like me as a business person, success means complete, something completely different to me being a coach. So. Yeah, if you're if you're gonna come to me with a business um, deal, do not think that this is gonna be my perspective of success. <laughs> <laughs> but success for me is knowing that I've treated everyone in an equal manner, uh, and I've given a hundred percent on my sessions. And for every child that I teach, to look back on these days as they're good days and not to be scared or frightened to speak up in, in the future if when their parents um when they are parents in the future and um something goes wrong they're not afraid to speak up for what is right um success means to stand up for what's right um to be happy and to look after yourself both through physical and psychological wellness Bang That's on it, the money. I think. Bang on the money. Love that. 
Um, final question then, Lipper. Uh, I can't believe it. We've, we've got to this stage. I mean, it's incredible <laughs> that we've got one hour and a half in. Um, and I'm I so didn't even know the time. I mean, it's gone so <laughs> quick. Um, so I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, but longer term ambition. What what's what's the aim? Five ten years time, will oh. we see Lipper uh, coaching in the Premier League one day, or have you got other avenues that you want to explore? I can I can say this now: you would never see me coaching at Premier League or elite level ever, um, and that's because I love the grassroots level. Um, it's my happy place, as I said. And if I go to pro level, all of a sudden there will be stress and psychological strain onto that. And uh, honestly. I would hate football again and I don't want to be in that position. So I would always coach at grassroots level. I know there's probably people saying, yes, she's not going to be an elite coach. Time for me to get in there. Yes, you get in there. I want to see uh, a woman coach one day um, or a BAME coach, um, coach the England men's first team, you know. That would be be cool. Uh, And... From a business perspective, I'm going to probably have to keep that secret. Um, I don't like telling people my ambitions, but just know I want to aim for the top in the sports industry. I like it. I like it. Very (laughs) secretive. Very good. Um, Okay, so that brings us to the end of today's show. Um, Lippa, how can anyone listening follow you on social media, follow your podcast? Now's your time to give us some details. (laughs) So um, you can listen to I Think She's Offside on iTunes and SoundCloud. You could also follow us on Instagram and Twitter by the handle at she is offside. And you'll see like this animated um, icon. Yes, that's me and my co-host. And my personal social media is Lippa underscore Nessa, Lippa written as L-I-P-A underscore Nessa, spelled N-E-S-S-A. And yeah, that's the same for Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So if you want business ideas and want to listen to my business stuff, yeah, go on LinkedIn. You, you'll find it there. <laughs> LinkedIn, the place to go, eh? LinkedIn, <laughs> gotta love it. Um, Lippa, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and yeah, your podcast is really good. I've had a listen um and um for those who obviously listen here please go and check out lippers podcast uh, you know it's, it's well worth a listen um and um again thank you so much for coming on the show today i do appreciate that a lot thank you for having me it was very nice to finally sort of catch up virtually um <laughs> yeah it was a bit different wasn't it it is a bit different yeah um, but i like yeah. it it's, it's a it's a new norm right yeah for the time being for the time being we'll we'll see see if it stays this way post lockdown i guess we'll find out probably not um for anyone listening in you can also follow halftime cuppa on twitter as well using our handle at halftime underscore cuppa um my personal account is at danny cook 1996 on twitter and instagram should you wish to follow as mentioned at the very start of the show all of the previous episodes are available uh, now for catch up on our website halftimecupper.com on youtube as well just search in halftime cupper and then finally the new one on itunes just by searching halftime cupper we managed to get it on there finally yes <laughs>
Yes, we I know, I know. Apple gave in. They finally gave in. They let us on here. Um, <laughs> God knows why. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we're on there now, which is fantastic. Uh, Lipper, thanks again for coming on. Uh, please stay safe. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and I hope to speak to you again soon, Lipper. Likewise. See ya. Bye. See ya. Until next time, stay safe, everyone, and goodbye.